Hi guys, welcome back to the Motor Recon Podcast. I'm your host Adam, joined by my friend Rob again. Um, tomorrow we are off to Monaco. Um, is there anything you're particularly looking forward to, Rob? Well, um, I was fortunate enough to actually go to Monaco quite a while back now, to be honest. But um, there are a few things that I've got lined up. Yeah, um, given that I'm quite a big F1 fan, one of the things I'm particularly looking forward to is um, having a proper walk around the track. Um, for people who aren't really that interested in Formula One, the corners probably don't mean all that much to them. But well, to, uh, to be honest, I'm not. I'm not hundred percent on every every name of every corner. I'm sure you can teach me that while we're there. Well, I must admit there is one corner in particular I'm very keen to get my eyes on, and um, I believe it's called Portier. So just before the tunnel. So as you're going ah, yes. into the tunnel, it's a very sharp right hander. If I yeah, that's the ticket. Yeah. yeah. Um, infamous, of course, because Senna crashed himself out of the lead of a Grand Prix there, leading Alain Prost by a long way, got very um, confident, and next thing you knew, he was in the barriers. I just remember uh, the footage of him storming out of the car and throwing his gloves across the barrier. Rather dramatic. Well, I should have it quite a while ago, if it was Senna. What year was that in again? Oh, I can't remember the exact year, to be honest, but I do. it's sort of early 90s, I think, yeah. Oh, quite a while back then. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to you teaching me all this stuff, actually. Obviously, I, I do follow Formula One uh, now and then, and uh, I'm always interested to learn a bit more about the stuff, and Monaco particularly is one of the most glamorous Grand Prix in the world, isn't it? So I'm very excited to have a tour with you around there. That's the thing, isn't it? It's more about the glitz and glamour there more than necessarily the racing itself, I would say. Yeah, there's not much chance for overtaking, is there, on the, uh, on the Monaco circuit? It's quite a tight, twisty one. Yeah, but I think hopefully the 2019 regulations in F1 might sort of um, encourage a little bit more overtaking this year. Obviously, the wings are a little bit simpler, so hopefully the cars can follow each other a bit closer. And going from the first couple of races, that seems to be the case. So yeah, I am hopeful for that. I'll, uh, last week, cracking race, last race. Well, I couldn't believe it. How, uh, uh, they were going so well, and then Ferrari just messed it up. At the, well, he messed it up. The car broke down. The end, <laughs> just, Hamilton was reeling him in like uh, well, no one's business, really. To be fair, though, I do know for a fact that Adam's probably going to be more interested in the car spotting. Oh, 100%. 100%. What, what sort of things have you got lined up then? What are the things you're hoping to see? Well, um, I've been looking at a few things on, going around on Instagram and Mika Hakkinen has just had his Senna delivered and he's been uh, he's been driving around um, the last couple of days. I'm, I'm assuming he'll probably be in China for the Grand Prix though, however, so we might not see him, but I'm keeping hopeful. Well, you um, never know, sure, surely everybody can't be in China for the Grand Prix, right? No, that is, that is, that is true. I don't know how many of them will be going, but... I'm hoping we'll get to see him. That's one thing I really want to see above all else is uh, is Mika driving his Senna around Monaco. I'm trying, s- I'm trying to remember. Have I seen a Senna in the flesh, maybe uh, Geneva? Yes. Yeah, that, yeah, that the, was, it was the, the GTR, wasn't it? Yeah, it was it, the unveiling right? of the GTR and they had the blue, if I'm not mistaken, the blue road Senna um, at the back of the stand, which obviously we got to see. Well, I'm really looking forward to that, I must admit, Uh, purely because when we were in Geneva, it was pretty crowded, so I didn't really get a proper look at it. I'm pretty sure anyway, even if we don't see him in a centre, we will see a centre. There's a lot driving around there at the moment. Um, If we don't, I'm a big fan of the centre, it's one of my favourite cars, and there's a lot of controversy around it at the moment, but for me, I just think there's nothing else on the road like it. It's like a spaceship. Yeah, um, it's quite interesting, isn't it? The looks divide people quite a lot. Uh, some people say it's ugly. I, I, I appreciate its functional aerodynamics. Yeah. I think of the lot 
a lot of the stuff I've seen around it is the people who find it ugly haven't actually ever seen one. Now, when I first saw one in a picture, I thought, wow, that is bad. I didn't, I didn't rate it at all until I saw one in the flesh. And you get to pick out every angle, every shape, everything. It just, it blows you away in person. A picture will never do it justice, I don't think. I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? If you have the sort of money to spend on a car like that, I'm guessing it is almost infinitely uh, customizable with whatever sort of styles that might take your fancy. Well, yeah, I think um, I was lucky enough to go to um, uh, Shmi's collection of his center. Um, and I remember him saying around the time, I think you've seen about 90% of the centers that are coming from the factory have been through MSO, which is their special operations where you can customize it however you see fit. Can pretty much do anything as long as you're willing to pay they'll do it <laughs> so i think we'll start to i know we've seen a few crazy designs coming out so far like the the first chassis number one which looks like it's made of porcelain and um, which i think was pretty special yeah that does sound quite interesting and you'll yeah. like that actually the guy the guy who got that delivered chassis number one got straight in his car drove it down to um paul ricard excellent from england down to uh, obviously paul ricard in france yeah, very well played. Just to run it in. <laughs> so, McLaren is on our list of things to see. Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else that you're particularly interested in? Um, for me, I think I'd quite like to go um, to some of the museums. I know it's a bit off um, off the beaten track, but the Prince's Car Museum, um, which I, I've, I have actually been to before, but the cars do change quite a lot because he gets a new lot coming in and uh, various things swap and change for other shows. And he has some fantastic cars, including quite a few Formula One cars, which I know you'll be um, get to really up close and have a sit with them. Well, then that does sound very interesting. Yeah, I must admit. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, anything uh, else in particular other than the track you want to see? Well, as you said, old F1 cars, always a big thing for me. Um, some sort of unique creations as well. I know that sounds daft, so things that aren't necessarily just sold out of the box. Um, I'll probably be touching on one of those a little bit later on in the podcast. But um, yeah, sort of people who've took the extra mile to customise what they've got. So say if they have a Chiron, they've gone that extra mile and done something rather special. Yeah, really outlandish. Yeah, something really outlandish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. I think if you're spending that kind of money on a car, you don't want to blend in. Yeah. Um, when we were at Blenheim Palace, for example, we saw a fantastic... Was it a Veyron? It was the Persang, I remember that. Yeah, the chrome, yeah. chrome silver with the uh, bare carbon. Which I thought was you know, is pretty insane. There's, there's five of those, I think, in the world. They were issued from factory like that, but it certainly stands out. Yeah, pure opulence. Yeah, you've got money, aren't you? <laughs> if you're driving that, you've got money. Yeah. yeah. That's not the best, actually. It was the best one. I think it was in the um, the London dealership, uh, Bugatti dealership. And it was the La Blanc, I think it's called. I can't pronounce it properly. But again, it was kind of like um, the centre where the car looks like it's made of porcelain. As it was like he made a pot, which the effect in in person when you can see it with your eyes is, I, I don't know how they've done it. It is amazing. It actually does look like a pot, like it's made of pot. Well, that that for me is amazing, and I would actually quite like to see another couple of Bugattis in Monaco. I know we'll definitely see one in the dealer, but to see one on the road, it's always eye catching. Yeah, sometimes it's always better to see things in the wild, isn't it? It yeah. seems far more of an occasion than just going into a garage where they sometimes have lines and lines of things. Actually, do you know what else is that I'm quite interested in seeing? I've seen uh, a couple in the flesh now at Goodwood and one at the Ferrari dealer in uh, Leeds. But a pista, a few more pistas. The specs I've seen so far have been pretty boring. I've seen a few nice ones online, but never a nice one in person. And I think it'd be, I think it'd be interesting to see a couple of them knocking around. 
Yeah, um, I quite like the styling of the 488, I must admit. Mm. And um, just the standard one, I quite like. But I think the pista doesn't go too far over the top with it as well. It's not like it's winged no. for the sake of it. So, yeah, I'd be interested to see one of those in the wild. I've seen a 488 sort of just out and about on the road, but I've never seen a 488 pista. So, yeah. yes, I'd be looking forward to that myself. Yeah, they do. They are better in person. You'll, yeah. You'll see in person. And the sound, I think, will let them down slightly being turbocharged. And a lot of people have said they do sound like a McLaren, but I don't think that's any bad thing. No, that's not really... And I mean, at the end of the day, being so hung up on the sound, you're just going to be disappointed going into the future. So yeah. maybe look at the positives that come out of yeah. new cars, not just the It'll negative. handle like it's on rails. That, that's the thing, and isn't it? Yeah. It looks like that. But yes. It's not, as you say, a new production car, unless it happens to be a Valkyrie, is probably not going to be strapped with a massive V12. No. And that's the last of the, that's, they're coming to the last of the generations. There's not going to be many more in the future what do that. Even well, even the V12s on the Astons now are going uh, twin turbocharged, aren't they? So. Easy, that's interesting though, because isn't it naturally aspirated on the Valkyrie, the new one, the Cosworth developed one? Yes, yes, it is. So that will be. I'm very. But again, that is a hybrid powertrain still, though. And as you say, it's clear that that's the direction things are moving. Yeah. Well, in. It, well, especially the AMR version. It's essentially an LMP1 car, <laughs> but with number plates. I don't know how they've got away with that with regulations these days, but I'm credit where it's due. That is. In fact, I know we're not going to see one, but it'd be nice to see something as crazy as that when we're there. Yeah, but to be fair, I I just quite like seeing Astins rolling around as well. Yeah, well, you see, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure you'll see plenty of them, and every other car will be a Rolls Royce, a Bentley, a G Wagon, a Range Rover. You name it, they'll they'll be there. It's very rare you see a normal car. <laughs> yeah, I, I expect we'll be spoiled for choice. Yeah, and it, for me personally, one thing I, I've never been to Monaco when there's nothing happening. I know it sounds a bit daft, but the, the last time, uh, last couple of times I've been, been for top marks. And that's obviously that attracts a lot of different people bringing different cars, different things from all over and showing them off. Whereas this time it literally is just going to be how it is on a normal day. And I think that might be quite a sort of a candid thing to say, just sort of Monaco on a day to day basis, see what it's actually like for people who've just lived there. I know that sounds daft, but. Um... It isn't all that off, all that all that often that you get to go to a place and you just see it off season, without an event taking place, just in its day to day running. Yeah, it is quite exciting, and I said there's um one of the other things I was hoping to see if well, touch wood if it's there is um the prince has it as a completely custom built Lexus which he gets driven around in. Okay, it's cat. Have you said this in the car the Pope has? Yeah. 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 Imagine that's just all glass at the back, obviously without the without the lift. Without the, the lift. Thing. Yeah. yeah. It's just like a Lexus. I think it's an RF or something. I can't remember which model, but it's all glass at the back, and it's quite a unique thing to see driving around. I've, I've seen it a couple of times, and it's very strange. But I've never managed to get a picture of it. I quite like to quite like to see one to take a picture. Go for the unique. Oh yeah. Ex- well, yeah, exactly. And if he's in it as well, it just adds to the. Uh, Centrification, yeah, yeah. centrification. Yeah, that, was it Prince, um, what's his name, Charles we saw in London. Yeah, that was very strange. And uh, as well, I was going to ask you while we're going, because obviously Monaco is an extremely wealthy place. If you had the kind of money, Monaco money to live there, what would be your dream three car garage, do you think? Okay. If you could live there and you had that kind of money. 
Well, for me, um, thinking practically about Monaco. So um, obviously, this wouldn't necessarily be my three dream car garage for everywhere in no, the no, world. No, I get, I get that. But given the place, um, realistically, what I would like to do is choose a car that I'd like to be seen in. Choose a car that is practical for going around town and choose a car which would be an absolute riot on the mountain roads. I'm obviously thinking about the Monaco Rally. That, that is in my mind. Of course. That of is course. in my mind. Yeah. So um, I'd say the first one I'll probably talk about is the thing that um, I'd like to drive every day. So okay. this is sort of like my um, yeah, yeah. practical car that I'd like to just drive around Monaco in. And that is predictably the Ford Fiesta ST. So the Mark 8, the new one. Um, sorry, I was being scoffed at by the producer there for some reason. Uh, <laughs> they're not exactly his favourite car, but um, yep, yeah, I'd go for the ST, um, the ST3. So just top the spec again. Money's no object. Granted, it's not a particularly expensive car, so why not? You know. Kind of a frugal engine, so driving around every day, doing a little bit for the planet, if you like. Um, yeah, I, get, I completely agree with you there. Yeah, nights turning circle, you know, practical. So there's sort of like my first pick. I would say for my second pick, which is the car that I'd like to be seen in. So this is not particularly driving pleasure, no. but the you one after I'm, attention. The, I'm rolling up to sort of like a bar or a swanky restaurant with this. And that is the Alfa Romeo Disco Volante. Okay. You've, um, gone, for, you've gone pricey there. I like that. And, and rare. Pricey, rare, sort of everything you want to stand out. Um, obviously made by Turing. Well, Alfa Turing, if you like. Yeah. Uh, 2013, I based think. Based on an 8C, is it? Yeah, based yeah. on an 8C. Yeah, with a Maserati V8 engine. Um, sounds the business. Looks to die for. It's an interesting car. There aren't many around. I think that's something that I would really want. Controversially, I don't like the Disco Volante. I don't like the looks. And it's only the back end of it, the front end I like. It's just where the rear wheels go up inside the arches. Is that the front? No, it's the front end that goes up inside yeah, the Yeah, the front is sort of like where it, it, it's I'm not a massive over. fan of that, if I'm honest. But obviously, but it's That harks back own. to the original Disco Volante, which yeah. is a similar sort of design on the front. I imagine it was probably an early effort at aerodynamics. I can't be certain about that. But yeah, there was a lot of that going on yeah. back then, I guess, wasn't there? A lot of it. And at least it's an interesting design. It's not something oh, you is. see every day. You certainly people turn will, your head, wouldn't you? Yeah, people would look and they would talk. And, and I would say for my final one, for the car that I'd like to have to just go out into the hills and yeah, pretend yeah. I'm a rally driver is the Lancia Stratos. Oh, na yes. Yeah, now you're talking. So I'd go original. So not the, although as pretty as the new Lancia Stratos is with the new bodywork. Yeah, it's just not the same, is it? I'd go for an original homogulated sort of variant which came out of the back of WRC. Again, thankfully, money's no object with this. <laughs> yeah, they are not cheap. It is not cheap. But yeah, obviously, famously won the Royal Rally Championship multiple times. It is built for those Monaco Rally sort of top mountain roads. Oh, yeah. Nice short wheelbase as well for flicking it around. Well, the handling was a bit trickier. I've read and seen on various other things, but... For flicking it around a mountain road, you want that little twitchy handling, don't you? So It would give me a good opportunity to hone my driving skills to my heart's content. So those are my three cars. What about yours? See, man, I'd, one, one of them, I'm actually a bit disappointed because I've picked the same as you, but I'll come on to that in a minute. So my car for everyday driving around town, controversially, would actually be the Renault Twizy. 
Yeah, okay, I see that, I see that. It's a very tight, small place, is Monaco, anyway. You can never go in faster than five miles an hour anywhere because traffic is quite bad. And as they say, it's a very tight road. So a nice twizzy, bomb up and down, nice little torquey electric motor. Two seats if you do need to take a passenger. Again, saving the environment. Yeah. Yeah. Not much in the way of luggage space, but... That Again. being said, though, people will turn and look at you still, though, because it's not like you see yeah. one every single day. Well, as you mentioned, in Britain, it's not like we see one every single day. So to no. what we turn and look. No, you see the odd one in London, but especially around, like, well, anywhere else outside of that, I've never seen one. I've seen the odd one in Monaco. I think you can hire them now, now uh, down there, which would be quite a riot. Never driven one. I'm just guessing the fun from videos I've seen. But it looks like a riot. A little narrow, single, well, like centre steering wheel. I think that'd be a riot for driving around town. Yeah, I would agree. My second choice, this would be a bit more for the mountain roads, again, with a bit side of practicality, and it would be the Fiesta ST. Yeah. Yeah, obviously I've had a Fiesta ST. I know how much fun they are. I know they're quite practical. You can fit five people in it if you want. And for going on a mountain road, especially quite tight mountain roads up there, a little hot hatch, I don't think you can go wrong. Like It's similar size to your Stratos in length and probably not width they are tiny them stratuses aren't they but yeah that would be my but it's far less risque though that's the thing isn't yeah it's it? not <laughs> ostentatious it's not look at me i've got this or well i just i think that for me would be my dream mountain road blasting car i said if the worst came to the worst and you did actually bin it as well let's be honest it's not that expensive to fix well, yeah, exactly whereas my stratos i'd just be trying to put together my broken dreams yeah after i've done that yeah and the bills on that would be absolutely astronomical. Yeah. But I think I have I have gone for one which is a bit more showy for the last one. This is, like you say, my look at me. I'm here at the bar. Everyone turn their heads. It'd be the Aventador SVJ. Okay, yeah. And particularly the Roadster one. Because you're in Monaco, usually nice weather throughout the summer and things like that. You're probably not even going to need to put the roof back on because obviously it's not a folding roof like most others. But, yeah, but let's face it, considering you have two other cars to pick from, you could literally just roll it out on a nice day, let's be honest. Yeah, and obviously you're in the south of France. You're going to have a lot of nice days. And I've seen them on the streets. I think they look absolutely incredible. I don't think there's a single person who doesn't turn their head when one of them drives by. No, that's true. I always yeah. take a second glance. That's yeah. true. The sound of that nitrous aspirated V12, you can hear it coming probably from the other end of Monaco when, when they kick in. Ah, now you see, that's the thing. Um, one of the reasons I picked my Disco Volante was for the noise as well, because that yes. Maserati-derived V8 is not necessarily loud. It, well, well, it is. It's, gu are, yeah. it's gutsy, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's got it's guts. Meaty. It's yeah, meaty, yeah. meaty sound, indeed. Meaty. Well, I, yeah, I, can't, I agree with it. It's one of my favourite sounding cars. You kind of like the V8 Vantage uh, Aston. The, no sure, the noise yeah. is a very low-down, grunty, kind of muscular sound. And I do like that, but I, for me personally, V12. And also, let's face it as well, you're going to turn up. The lid's off, your SVJ, great. Scissor doors. Yeah, straight so up. So that is a very get it, look yeah. at me showmanship move. Get it in a Lamborghini colour as well. Green, yellow, bright orange, something like that. There isn't no, there isn't anybody who's going to... No, there isn't a garish colour, is there? Yeah. That's the thing, because they're designed to be loud and flamboyant. So yeah, good choices. I like them. Yeah, no, it's one for me, definitely. Now, one um, one other topic is what I would like to ask you. If you could have the Monaco Grand Prix track shut just for you, what would you pick? 
Oh, so does this have to be a road car? Or can this be anything Could be any, anything you want. You've got the Grand Prix track shut for an entire hour, day, whatever you want, just for you. What would you pick? McLaren MP44. The old sort of Senna 1988 World Championship winning McLaren. For me, if you're shutting it off and it's completely shut and I can use it as a track... I'm definitely going to take that opportunity to roll out one of Senna's old McLarens. Oh, yeah. As he said, go from the 1988 World Championship winning one. Last of the turbocharged cars, I believe. So you're going to bin it then? <laughs> no, no. I, I will look after Heritage, I assure you. But um, probably won't get anything up past sort of like 30 mile an hour. Terrified I'll break the thing. Yeah. But yeah, for me, um, that's probably where my head's at. What about you? Mine, I think, would be sort of the... 2009-10 era Formula 1 car, sort of when Renault uh, Renault was still in it with the screaming V10s. Oh, of course, and blonde, I don't know whether that's blonde diffu- diffuser or double diffuser, I'm not really sure. No, I'm not. That might have been 2011, I can't yeah, actually I, remember Yeah, I don't the remember the exact that, time, yeah. but the, the noise of those, wow. But they were still the V8 era, weren't was they? It so V8? That's the V8 era, So if you're going to go yeah. for V10, then I suppose it's early 2000s job. Is it that long ago? Yeah, it's that long ago wow. since the V10s, yeah. Yeah, it does not seem that long ago. I do apologise. I, I thought it was right up until... No, but that being said, the V8s yeah. still sounded amazing. You know? Yeah, they did. It's, I, I, again, it's, obviously, they are loud now. The, ol- the only F1 race I've seen uh, live was at Hungary, and that's obviously when they just introduced the uh, 1.6. Yeah, I must admit, the only live F1 race I've been able to see was in 2016. So again, we're well into the hybrid era. Granted, by that point, I believe they'd introduced the three exhaust pipe setup, so it does have a little bit more of an atmosphere going on. And in live, it does sound much better than what it does on the telly as well. Oh, we'll 100%, say that. 100%. It's so much louder. I think it's so, yeah, it's unfortunate they can't bring that through into the living room the same way, but yeah, I think if you're going to have F1, if you're going to have an F1 track closed, you're going to want to go around in an F1 car. You are. <laughs> and we, we did actually. Um, Obviously, when we went to the UAE, we managed to actually go on the Ferrari F1 simulator. We did, And it yeah. gave us a slight, probably, insight into what... I, I can't imagine it being that realistic, but the F1 drivers do say they are, don't they? But the, even the G-Force just on the simulator, when you brake in, when you're accelerating, it threw you all over the car. You can certainly see why they have to go to the gym to keep their neck muscles uh, neck muscles strong. That's true, yeah. And Well, I suppose the Monaco track isn't that fast. It was quick, it was not that fast. I think it's more of a mental strain, I imagine, at Monaco. Yeah. Just keeping it out of the barriers. Yeah, there's no runoff, is That's there? the thing, isn't it? That those sort of safety runoff points, they're just not feasible. So yeah. Whereas we were on Yas Marina, where the entire place is a runoff, essentially. Oh yeah, all the runoff <laughs> in the world. Also, at the end of the day, it's not a real car. <laughs> you know, you bin it, doesn't really matter, does it? Just yeah. reset and start again. I did spin it twice. Oh yeah, me too, totally. I mean, let's face it, Left foot braking alone was blowing my mind. <laughs> well, yeah, it's very hard to do when your mind's not naturally used to doing that. Obviously, in a car I've driven an automatic, even then I didn't do a left foot brake because you just went through the window. Oh, that, yeah, well, that's the yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah, if you try it in your road car, you realise pretty quickly that your sensitivity on your left foot's just not in the same place, is it? Not exactly, and and that's for me. I think was what made it one of the hardest, the harder things to do. Like I say, yeah, if we if we were lucky enough to ever have that scenario with a closed Monaco Grand Prix. It probably wouldn't be the track I would pick out of choice, but if it was that one, 
100% the older V V8, V10, F1 cars, just for the sound echoing off all the buildings around you. Yeah, that's true. That's the thing. I've just gone for classic as in sort of like iconic. So yeah, that's my picks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, I'm very excited, obviously, to go to, Mon- to Monaco tomorrow. So we'll try and do an episode once we get back to um, obviously give you all an insight on what it was like when we were there. Um, so as usual, you can follow me on Instagram at, at Motor Recon and Twitter at Recon Motor. Um, so thank you very much for listening, guys, and uh, goodbye. See you later.